I think this is a great time for independent filmmakers. I think this is a great time. I look at this, the last time that SAG and the WGA went on strike at the same time was in the 60s. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> okay? Yeah, that was the last time they went on strike. And I was researching this for a paper I was doing. Um, and coming out of that, you got the auteurs of the 70s. If we play our cards right and we push the envelope as much as we can, then the independent filmmaker is going to take over this thing. Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nakotra, here with my lovely one, the only, Shane Reitzamer. Shane, how are you doing, man? Better now that you call me lovely, man. I'm feeling great. You are lovely, bro, and I like that shirt. It's a great color on you. Thanks. It's got some wrinkles, but, you know, it's, it's ready to go. Screw it on. That's right, man. Well, well we're Off the floor, onto my body. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty much how he, how he does it, man. Well, hey, uh, I am stoked today for our episode. Our episode uh, is a very special guest who is not only a writer, a producer, a director, a production company owner, and one of my old film professors from the University yeah. of North Texas, the one, the only, Mr. Jonathan Paul. Let's temper the applause here. <laughs> <laughs> this is what an intro. Yeah. That was. I'm, I'm pumped up now, man. Jonathan, yeah. man, thank Ready you for joining us in Super the studio. Humble, guys. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. This is my first podcast. Dude, awesome. well, welcome yeah. to the pod, man. Yeah, I'm man. glad that we could be the, the first uh, entry into the podcast world for you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's actually kind of weird still just calling you by your first name instead of uh, professor. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I may I may go back to my old ways and just say what's up, professor. No, it's uh, that's all good, man. It's <laughs> I, it's awesome for me uh, because you know I do work professionally, but it's always great to see where you know my students are at. Yeah, former mm. students, and just you know like to I like I keep up with you on for Instagram. Sure. I keep up with Caroline yeah. on Instagram. And just, you know, shout out to Caroline. Shout Sears. out to yeah. Caroline if she's Love listening. Yes. She's awesome. She's working for Adobe now, know, which is which so is cool. Just, it Sick. blows my mind. I know. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. And uh, just super proud of you guys. Thanks, and man. man. It's like, um, that's the reason why I do that. That's yeah. the reason why I still teach. Um, you know, I still work professionally. But the reason I still teach is because I'm seeing you guys go out there and do your stuff. And that's... Mm. Awesome, man. That's so cool. I, I was it was even going to be one of my questions, and you answered it before I could even <laughs> yeah. ask it to you. But it's so cool, man. Yeah. Um, and you guys have Micah, right? Micah. Did you have Micah? Micah Breedlove? Or, no. Uh, oh, Micah with Ohm. Ohm Productions. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had him on the show. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah man. Cool. He's yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Was he one of your students too? He actually, I don't. Yes, he took one of my classes. I think I was actually a TA. Okay. When he took it, oh, I cool. can't remember. Man, all of those years they just That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Well, Mike is but killing it now. Awesome, and it sounds and it Great sounds dude. like I just missed uh, you because I graduated oh nine oh nine, and so. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I've heard great yeah. things about yeah. your classes and well, and all your experience. You. So I'm excited to have you on the pod today. Yeah, and hear all about yeah. everything. And I think I was your first year student. You were. I was the the Caroline. guinea pig. Yes, yeah. which the two of you like. Y'all did the workshop. Yeah. So and this is this is my contribution to the University <laughs> of North Texas. But I I actually pleaded for a special problems yep. course. It's what they called it back in the day. They said I had a special problem. And, oh, he uh, does. And I do. I had many. <laughs> yep. And uh, got a special problems approval mm -hmm. for 
taking After Effects effects. courses, which they didn't offer that, and now is a permanent part of the curriculum that UNT offers that class fills up. Because he and Caroline took it. Yep. And because they were successful at it, they made it a... Like actual that's, class. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah they didn't yep. have that when I was there. I know. Yeah. I keep saying I need royalties from all the students <laughs> that take that class. I mean, Good, I luck. Like <laughs> right. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a state-run university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm glad I could contribute something. But, um, man, first and foremost, thank you for enduring through all of my terrible projects while I was a student. Oh, no. It was awesome. <laughs> I still remember. I don't know if you'll remember, but one of the projects, it was a skateboard video. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. were doing like rotoscoping yep. over top. And I was like, dude, I was a skateboarder. Dude, yes. This is awesome. Yes. <laughs> this yeah, is I, awesome. I, I rotoscoped my uh, the music video too from what I learned yep. in your class. I remember. For the UNT Film Festival, which actually helped me win the film festival while I was a student there. Yeah. Which was also the video that I showed you to get my foot in the door working with him for my very first project. Which one was that one? We got to throw it. It was DeAndre's music video um, that was shot at the the fair. We might throw a link up in in the YouTube directly to this video. I remember that. Yeah, Yeah. That was, so like, I guess really... I have you to thank for helping me oh, get no. the foot it's in the you, door. It's all you. I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do any of that stuff. Right. <laughs> I just said, hey, press that button. I love it. I love <laughs> it, man. You're good. Well, that's awesome. Well, dude, we're so, so excited to have you yeah. on the show today. I want to talk about, um, dude, your production company, mm-hmm. the features that you're making, all the cool stuff that you got going on in the industry right now. So give me a little bit of like what you're doing in the industry right now for those that don't know you. Okay. Yeah. So um, I teach. That's one thing. I usually teach about, uh, I'm part-time, so I only teach a few classes every semester. Uh, I'm on campus one to two days a week. Mm. just kind of depends. Um, so I always keep my foot in the door over there in academia. Uh, but for the most part, what I do now is uh, producing, uh, writing, producing, and directing. That's mm. mainly it. And I, I run our production company, not just be me by myself, it's... Uh, it's myself, it's Josh Gilbert, my producing partner, who's an amazing guy. Um, it's my wife, you know her, Marilena. Mm-hmm. Um, she's our producer. She's She organizes everything. Um, she's brilliant. Um, yeah, so it's it's us, it's Andrew, it's, you know, all these people. Um, so I'd spend most of my time doing that. Um, and that's covering everything from legal to contracts to, you know, yep. a bulk of my time is taken up. Uh, doing a lot of that stuff. We're in negotiation on a film, so, you know, we're looking at contracts for that. What is that going to look like given the current climate? You know, how does all of this work out and shake out? So that's where a bulk of my... And we're constantly, okay, what's next? Mm, Right. What's next? What's what's the third one after this one? Right. Mm -hmm. What's the fourth one after this one? We're like, we're constantly thinking... Next five moves. Four or five steps further. Uh, Because you never know when this is all going to stop. And it mm-hmm. could stop at any time. So, um, you know, always keeping focused on that and then all of the daily stuff that we have to get done. So, yeah, yeah, I wear multiple hats. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's a that's uh, an understatement for it's sure. A <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a grind, but it's it's fun and we can go into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious. So so how many features have you, you know, been a part of, produced, directed or, or through it's, your production company? How many to a, date? I've been a number. Oh, man, I can't even tell you how many. I mean, there's some I've been uncredited for. There's, mm-hmm. 
because I've worked on some that, you know, you're just doing back-end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you're doing touch-ups on writing um, that you don't – it's uncredited. Right. Um, so there's – I can't – maybe 10. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, and that includes documentaries. Oh, so awesome. I was going to say, I, you've done a bunch of documentaries, documentaries too. I've, oh. I've probably done the most. I love docs. We're yeah. definitely going to have to dive into that. Yeah. 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 I've, done, I've done most of my work um, the first decade mm-hmm. of my career was mainly documentary. PBS, documentary. Awesome. Stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. really cool stuff for and sure. It's only been in the last, let's see, what is this, 2023? 20, so, 20... 17 2018 is when I made the switch over to narrative. Okay. Not saying strictly narrative, mm-hmm. but mainly narrative. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. So it's film and TV. I got to pick your brain later. We're working on two pitch decks for <clears throat> yeah, two yeah. different documentaries. So that's, oh, that's yeah. awesome to yeah. that's pitch, awesome to pitch know. Pitch decks are weird now too. Yeah. That's changing. Yeah. 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 What's your thoughts? You like you like Um it's you got to go shoot something. Right. I mean, they want to see less and less paper mm. and more and more visual stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I've been getting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which so you just kind of go out. So you mm. just kind of go out and shoot almost like a small yeah. pitch piece. That's what we did with harsh treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We went and shot, and that was not even a for the feature that we're doing now. Yeah. We just shot that with. We just we were coming out of the pandemic. Josh teaches at UNT yep. as well. You know, he teaches like one or two classes. Um, and we're both, he and I are both working professionals and we're coming out of the pandemic. And we're like, man, we got to get these kids out of here. Yeah. Like, we got to get them out of their house. Like, we got to go outside, mm-hmm. you know, because we can't film inside yet, but we can go outside. We just got to do something. Mm. Um, and so we were like, man, we got this story just laying around. Let's, let's go, let's get some kids together and let's go film this thing. Let's get people back into the groove of trying to do something. And so we did. We went and shot it. Um, and it was just a fun exercise. It didn't have anything to do with the class. It was just something that myself and a couple other faculty members and we're just like, hey, let's just go film something. Mm. And we did. And it was like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah. T- mm. Tell me a little yeah. bit about Harsh Treatment. What is it? So it's a action Western comedy. Hmm. That's a mouthful. Okay. That um, is. So genre, Josh, genre, genre. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Josh and I are we we love comedy, but we love action. We love adventure. We are massive fans of terrible, terrible eighties movies. I <laughs> solely solely relate to that man. Oh man, I, they're so good. Are, so I don't know if you've ever seen Street Trash. Have you guys ever seen Street Trash? Our tech has. So. He's shaking his head yeah. back there. Dude, but, dude, yeah. dude. Podcast desk. Okay. I mean, the toilet bowl scene. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Dude. Okay. Yeah. Mm, that's my I got to check it out. That's yeah. I mean, you've got classics like that, Street Trash. you got The Stuff, right? you got mm. Chud. You've got some, uh, man, what a uh, brain dead, you know? Mm. You've got, uh, oh, we got Maniac Cop. I mean, there's just time basket case. Yes. You know, just all these incredible, just terrible, <laughs> terrible movies. But they're so good. Dude, hmm. and, and once you, like, grow up, like, watching movies, even if they're not good, like, you look back later on in life, you're like, I was at a stage where I could be impressionable enough to where it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you overlook all of that stuff, and you just appreciate that movie. And yeah. it, it ties back to that season of your life, and you just... 
I don't know. There's something that like you hold on to with those movies that oh, you yeah. grew up watching. And you look back and you're like, man, that was not good, but I love watching <laughs> it. And I can go back and see it all the time. Yeah, 100%. Because you go back and watch some of those movies and you're like, man, you know, yeah. just the acting in here. I yeah. Think I, I think I might have been able to <laughs> right. do. We, okay. We were talking right before this episode uh, about storm Stormtroopers. Uh, is that the name of it? Storm uh, Or Super Troopers? Super yeah. Troopers. Dude. Love it. Yeah. Amazing film. Oh yeah. You go back and look at it. Uh, but amazing film. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like quote yeah. super you boys like Mexico. <laughs> yeah. I mean Super Troopers is in my vocabulary almost yeah. daily. Yeah. Such a good And he's movie. standing there sitting there at the at the driver's side window and yeah. littering and, and. Yeah. <laughs> great movie. So I gotta go. I gotta watch yeah. that again. Right. Oh man. Yeah. And that's where it comes to like Josh, uh I don't you I don't think you've ever met Josh, but um Josh is primarily a comedic writer. He can write anything. The guy's just awesome. Like, I consider myself a decent writer, and this guy just, like, blows me away. I yeah. mean, he's so good at it. Um, and that's how we kind of work. Like, I'll come up with a story or will come up with a story, and then he'll go into his little cave, and mm -hmm. then he'll just start typing away on his uh, on his laptop, and he'll pump out a script in, like, a couple of days. Wow. Um and so that's, I mean, that's his job. It's been his job yeah. for 20 plus years. Yeah. Mm. You know? And so this action Western comedy mm -hmm. that is in the works right now, it's not a documentary. It's a feature. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It's a, it's a feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's our first one as a company. Uh, Cause Josh and I, we had been working in the industry for, he, he much longer than me. Um, I'd been in corporate and then went into documentary and then finally into kind of the studio system. So I, I haven't been in the studio system as long as Josh has, but I don't know. We just, um, you know, going through corporate, doing the docu documentary, it was probably the most free I ever was. Mm -hmm. um, and then going back to the studio system, I was like, man, this feels a lot like my corporate gig that I was <laughs> right, right, right. for a long time. And so, I don't know, we just kind of, we looked at it and we were thinking coming out of the pandemic, like, and it's, why don't we just roll the dice on this? Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? I mean, we know what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. Why don't we just do it ourselves? Yeah. Um, got the financing for it uh, from Wall Street, and then it was just, it was on from there. And you're really connected <clears throat> with some of the distribution platforms, too, through some of the stuff that you've done in the past. Have you already, like, pitched this to them and said, hey, this is what we're we, doing? I can't talk about that. Okay. But it's, <laughs> it is happening, yes. Nice. Yes. Conversations, Say less. Conversations are happening. I love yes. it. I love yeah. it, man. Yeah, Where? I, I don't want to get people into – actually, I do want to get people in a bidding war. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, where did y'all shoot the film? We shot it all here in Texas. Awesome. Uh, we shot it just north of Denton. Okay. So, which is about where 45 mm -hmm. miles north of where yeah. we are now in Dallas. Um, so, we shot it um, almost pretty close. Uh, do you guys know where Gainesville is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's that last town before you get right, to yeah. Right on the border. Yeah. Yeah. So, we shot it just a little bit south of there. Yeah. Um, at a dude ranch. Um and they were great. They they gave us the run of the place. Uh, we were able to shoot it out there. Um, so that that was awesome. And, and how many days? Uh, we shot. We actually were scheduled for uh, full production. Um, you know, prep week plus wrap week, and then the production. We were looking at about thirty days. Mm -hmm. uh, we shot that whole thing in seventeen. Wow. Yeah. 
We nice. shot it in 17. Dang. That's great. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's some budget. And the reason is because of our two main actors. All of our actors were amazing. They were great. Uh, we got super lucky getting the actors that we did with the budget that we had. Um, but our two main actors, uh, Aaron Martin and Sterling Gafford, were they're, they're two friends. They were in the short film, and we wrote the movie for them. Mm. So uh, because they played the two characters in the short film. So when you're seeing them on the screen, we're like, God dang. And these guys, yeah, mm-hmm. they're so funny. Like That's you just awesome. don't even need yeah. many takes; you just get no, one. No, and, and because they had been friends for so long, yeah, you get all of these little shorthand things. You know, a look, mm. you know, a reaction, and it's just it's stuff that you may not get between two actors who had never worked with each other, but because these guys had worked with each other for so long, you get all of these little tiny things, and it's just funny because we're sitting there watching the edit, like these guys are great. Mm. This is awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. So I got to know what it's like, though, to – because a lot of UNT students helped on that project, right? Yeah, we had a, we had a, a number. Yeah. So, so how is it working with a lot of people that, for just to be blunt, are pretty green and yeah. don't have experience? How is it bringing all these students to a production? Well, and, the vast majority of them were not students. They were okay. former students who had graduated. Got it. Um, and had gone to work – in the industry in form, one form or fashion, you know, somewhere. And then they came back and then they came to work on cool. this feature. Cool, uh, And most of them were students, they were former students of mine that I had mm. had in classes. Yeah. Um, so, and then I did have some students who were from UNT who were coming to do internships and they got paid gigs and, love it. you know, um, so we did have some of that, which was, which was great. That was fun. Um, yeah, we're, you got to have patience, mm. you know. I mean, you you have to remember, uh, which is which is tough sometimes, even for me. You know, sometimes because man, when we're on set, you have a very different mindset. You do because mm-hmm. when I'm on set, yes, I'm directing, I'm producing, but you, the main thing that I'm seeing in my mind when I'm on set is a table, much like this. Mm. There's a pile of money on it, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody has set it on fire, mm, mm. right? And it's slowly dwindling down, and that's the image that I have in my head when I'm on set and we're sitting there too long. I'm like, dude, that pile of money is burning. It's burning. We, we've got to go. Yeah, you know. And so I'm just as guilty of making things slow down as anybody else, but that's always like a fear that you have. And so, uh, but in the back of your mind, you have to remember, which is difficult is, man, some of these kids that are coming in here, you were in exactly the same position that they were when you started. So how did it go for you? Mm. If it went bad, let's make it better. Yeah. If it went great, then let's do more of that. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You like, have to have opportunities to fail yes. before you can grow. Yes. And so the, the fact that you're giving students – an opportunity to sink or swim yeah. is going to totally alter the course of their career because I know that if he hadn't given me the opportunities that he did when I was first out of college, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow to oh, yeah. where I'm at today. Same thing for me. I think it's the same thing for anybody. You know, like I had great mentors early on, you know, coming out of uh, out of college. And I wasn't even in, you know, I wasn't even in the industry at that point. I was in corporate America. Um, so it was a very different, you know, it was a very different thing than mm-hmm. what I was, and I was still doing marketing. I was, you know, we were doing animation, we were doing, 
um, you know, commercials, all of this other stuff. I was a marketing executive. So I, we, I was in doing all of those things. Um, but it's, it's very different. But it doesn't matter whatever field you're in, as long as you've got somebody there who can act as a mentor or just as a guide. Just like, hey, here, you know, you see those guys on the tarmac, right? They're piloting the the planes in. You got to just have somebody doing that. Okay, this way, mm-hmm. right? And just mm-hmm. kind of moving you into the right direction. And if you can have that, that's, man, that, that just makes your journey all the better. Or if you don't have that, and I've seen this far too many times, you get kind of caught in this loop mm. where you get stuck in one position and you can't get out of it. Mm. Um, or you feel like you can't get out of it, mm-hmm. and it makes it difficult. And that's, I try to do that as best I can with my students. Like I always tell, I have a class I was teaching this summer, and uh, our last class is tomorrow. And um, I've set up. We're going to watch their films, and after it's over, we're going to have a Q and A. They can ask me any question that they want. A lot of them are graduating because it's a summer class, and they were. It was the last one that they were taking to mm-hmm. get done with their degree. So I'll never see them again. You know. Hopefully I will, but you know, sure. usually mm-hmm. when sure. they go off, they go and do their thing. So I, I'm leaving this whole class. Ask me anything you want. You know, if I don't have the answer, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, because listen, if I can just answer some question that helps somebody's journey, man, that's yeah, that's awesome. That's so fantastic. Cool. Great guy to have on the podcast, man. Dude, we, yes. Yeah. Part of the reason we started the podcast was to not Joey and I wanted to learn from everyone that we interviewed, but provide a resource for the filmmaking community to, yeah. to have these discussions, right? And ask those hard questions and, and to help guide people in the right direction. Um, so man, I'm yeah, so that's so well said. I love the uh the uh, airplane, uh, yeah. you know, direction. Uh, I feel like that's the professor hat. Coming yeah. Out. That's it. yeah, 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 yeah. I feel you know yeah. the uh, company culture we try to do at Cinema Story is um, giving people opportunities, at, you know, and letting them, sh- it, you know, like Joey said, fail a- at times, but give them creative feedback, uh, constructive feedback, so that they can learn how to do it better the next time, right? Yeah. And so we've done these things like short films where we go, hey. We're all going to work on this short film if you if you want, right? It's a passion yeah. project. Yeah. But you're going to work in a role that you typically don't work in. Yeah. Right. Which is great. So hey, you don't get to be yeah. the DP usually. You're going to be the DP. You're yeah. going to be the director. And so that's just been fun to watch. Push from people a, out of their yeah. comfort zone. You got to yeah. give them room to succeed yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah, see I them mean, grow. That's the best teacher. Mm. Failure. Mm. Yeah. Failure is. I can't tell you how many times I've failed. I've failed more times than I've succeeded. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Dude, yeah, I think 100%. all of us have. I, yeah. And that's part of filmmaking in general. Like you have to – like when people say, oh, yeah, the best way to learn is to put a camera in your hands, what they're really saying is the best way to learn is to mess it up a hundred different ways before you learn how to use it right the first time. Yeah. And and that that's really what the bottom line of that saying yeah. means is to right. go out and just fail. Yeah. Um, and I'm one of those few professors who will tell them, uh, you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way. Um, because film school, film school is very good for a lot of people. Mm. It gives them structure. It gives them theory. It gives them a lot of base, a lot of foundation to move into the next level. But, man, there's some kids, they don't need to be there. And mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, so this is one of my questions. As mm-hmm. a film professor, who is film school for? It's it Honestly, it is for everybody. Because if you want to have a more rounded like view of filmmaking, then – by all means, go. 
Do you have to go to film school to work in this industry? No. A hundred percent, no. I mean, the vast majority of the people I work with have not gone to film school at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been grunting it out on set as a crew member since day one. Yeah. Mm. You know? And that, I mean, I will tell you, I cannot teach you in a classroom what you will learn on a set. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can give you the PowerPoints. I can give you the slides. We can do the workshop. I can show you, like, hey, this is how we do this, this, and this. You know, and you'll have the foundation. You'll know stuff. You'll know the terminology. You'll have the foundation. But, dude, you're not going to learn this stuff unless you get out there and start working. Dude, Mm -hmm. you couldn't have said it better. I've had a lot of people ask me, like, should I go to film school? And I think, you know, we did a thing on this, but the answer really depends. It does. It depends on what type of person you are, and Mm -hmm. it depends on what your goals are. And so if you're just trying to get out there and make a freelance career, you can do that without a degree. Yeah. 100%. You can, but, I mean, if you want to do that and you want to be an entrepreneur, right? Right. You could totally do that on your own. If you have a film degree and you're getting a film degree because, you know, you just, that's the way you are. Right. That's how I want to do it. I love to learn. I love to, okay, great. Awesome. Let's do that. But while you're doing that, why don't you go over there next door and get that MBA, Mm. you know, or just not an MBA, but just go and take a couple of business classes, Mm -hmm. right? Get your minor in business. So that way you know how to run things when you're, when you're done. Because that's, uh, that's probably the biggest critique that I've gotten from students over the years is just um, not preparing them for that part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that anybody's actually doing that as good as we could. Mm. Um, I think we can always do better at that. You know, I think we do the best we can, but we can always do better. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I think when I, when I graduated in 2009, you know, I, I loved – film school. I love the foundation, the theory, you know, but everything changes so fast, right? right? So what I learned right. on, you know, is obsolete, like not, it's collecting dust. Yeah. But, you know, so you got to, you got to do what your... What were you guys filming on, if you don't mind? Uh, it was mini DV tapes. Okay. And, so I was film. I was still wow, film. Wow. That's awesome. We got to, yeah. we got to manipulate still one, uh, like an eight millimeter or a, a 16 millimeter. We got to do like a edit splice, mm-hmm. but we didn't need to shoot with it. So. so do you remember UNT? Do you remember Oak Street? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the building where they had the the film processing center? Do you remember that? Did you ever yeah, go there? No, I didn't get to okay. go there. I don't I don't think. Oh, yeah. man, it was like this black hole. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we would go and we'd shoot our Super 8 or Super 16, mm-hmm. and then we'd go and we'd string it up and develop it over at the at the lab on Oak Street. Ah, it's see, I so that. Yeah. fun to actually develop film. I've uh-huh. never got to do it for video, but I did get to do it for photo and just like going yeah. into the room yeah. and knowing like this is Lightroom, Yes. In, you know, the dark room. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, this is where the edit happens. And based on your chemicals. Based on the mix. Mm, and it's, it's like you had yeah. to be a legit scientist yeah. <laughs> in order to color photos back in the day. And you I'm had like, to know oh, chemistry. Yes. You just, you mm-hmm. just had to, yes. Oh, man, keep an eye on the, oh, gosh, is it time yet? Yeah. Um, to take it out. Yes. Yeah. It's and, such a fun process. Yeah. Yeah. We took a, we took a film photo class in high school. Mm-hmm. which is what got me exposed to that. And it's so funny, my professor or uh, teacher, I guess he wasn't a professor, he's a teacher, uh, tried to get me to join like the photo program or, or something to that effect. Yeah. And I turned it down because at that time I was just like, eh, this is like a fun little side hobby. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you I'm the only one 
that actually made a career out, out of, of it, it. Yeah. <laughs> from the people that he asked to do yeah. it. But it was so fun at the time, man. Yeah. I mean, it's understanding the analog process. Mm. Um, I'm very thankful that I started there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the very first camera that I started using was actually this really crappy uh, JVC camcorder. And uh, I'm my, pretty sure that was mine too. Was I, it? Yeah. Yeah. I had. Like we were one filming of little... skateboard videos. Same. Just like, ah, I didn't know you yeah, were a skateboarder just, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, we were. I was not a skateboarder. Ah, uh, you could have lied <laughs> to me. I, and I can, it would have been great. I can. <laughs> I can do a few things. I can do a few things. I can stay on a board. There you go. And hold a camera. I That's love it. it. So you were the guy out there filming. Yeah, I was doing. That. Same. I was doing a lot of that. Yes. I was. So it's. It's. We've had a lot of filmmakers that are skateboarders on the on the pod. Yeah, and I'm like, what is it with skateboarders and filmmaking? And then I was like, I wasn't, a, I was the same way. Like, I think I went down a the ramp once and face plant now ate on it. a bike. Totally oh, different. Tear it up. I there could you go. kill a vert ramp on a bike. Nice, uh, but on a skateboard, yeah. I don't know, man. You get to that coping, and you're looking down. Mm. Like, oh lord! Once you've slammed once, <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. tailbone is fried, mm. you're yeah. like, I ain't doing. So, you know this what? Yet. I'm sticking to the street. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're good. I'll tell you what it is, though. It's that. The entire sport revolves, especially back in the day, around making skate videos. Yes. And so unlike football or basketball or any like collegiate like sport with a ball, skateboarding has always been about making skate yeah. videos. And those tapes just yes. passed mm-hmm. around. And, and it's not what it used to be today that it was even when I was growing no. up. Like feature film skate videos were the market. Yes. Like we I remember going to theaters and watching skateboard feature films that would have an independent distribution yeah. back in the day. And so you're constantly growing up trying to find a filmer who will film you skateboarding to help make your skate part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you grow up around cameras and edits and making films that once you actually grow up and you're like, well, if the skateboarding thing didn't work out, this is the only other thing that I love doing in life. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So I, I remember seeing a video uh, from a buddy of mine. Um, and I can't remember if it was Levi's or if it was Sean's. I'm not sure who actually owned it, but we were watching it. And it was a early video VHS tape of Rodney Mullen. Yes. I don't know if you know who that guy of is. Of course. Dude. The He's the legend. King. The king. The legend. Yeah. And I remember watching him like, I will never be able to do any of this. <laughs> but man, do the images look awesome. Well, mm. just to give you a little bit of peace and comfort, even to this day, nobody can do sure. some of the things yes, that he did. Exactly. Like He just had a crazy different style that yes. even all that time ago nobody can replicate the way that he did right which is amazing yeah but just seeing like the fish eye oh and just you know seeing them and then before and then at one point it was like static cameras yeah and then all of a sudden wait a minute the camera's moving yeah Mm. like so somebody's skateboarding and they're holding a camcorder and they're following a lot i can do that you know and then you kind of get excited and you're like oh wait okay so as long as i can as long as there are no rocks Yep. Or cracks. I'm good. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude, yeah. since you brought the fisheye up, I gotta tell you the story. But yeah. I so back in the day when I bought my very first camera, I think it was a Canon T5i. Um, the very first lens that I bought for it was a fisheye. Okay. Even before a regular standard lens, yeah. because my whole life I grew up filming with fisheye, skateboarding, that I was like, this is the only lens I know. It was mm-hmm. my first purchase. And I use my camera instead of the school's camera. 
and I won't say his name, but a professor that you know docked me points in my project because he said it was a poor creative choice <laughs> of lens to use. And it was all that I had. And I was like, dude, there's no way this is right. You should but have submitted it to me. I should have. <laughs> I've gotten bonus points for creativity. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah funny. But, I mean, if, you, if you've never been through that, right? If yeah. You, because uh, you look at the 90s, man, through the 90s, we were seeing like a ton of skateboard videos. Yeah. Uh, a lot of BMX stuff. Like Matt Hoffman was doing like yep. crazy mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the X Games was exploding then. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you started seeing like all of these different like uh, motocross, mm, like just yeah. crazy motocross videos. And so you're like, okay, action sports might be a place mm. that I want to go into. And yeah. of course I didn't. Yeah. I, you know, and it's so that. hard. It's one of those things that, so many people want to do thus like the pay for it is never great like no it's it, not it's always got to yeah. be a passion yeah you gotta 100%. be passionate about it you do yeah yeah, yeah. well mm. would have been nice to make a career filming skateboarding but it's not my path but yeah. <laughs> um well transitioning from the past yes. uh into present day uh, there's some couple in- interesting things going on yeah. uh, right now that we've actually yet to really dive into on this pod. But one of those things is the writer strike, yes, which is uh, currently affecting you. Uh, I kind of want to get your thoughts on like the strike in general, and then t- tell me how it's affected your business. Sure, yeah. So uh, we're members of the Writers Guild. Um, you know, we're a signatory company with the WGA. Uh, Josh is a voting WGA member. Um, so it's, uh, the impact of the strike, uh, really affects us Mm. quite a bit. Um, you know, because it's our union, Mm. you know, it's, uh, we're creatives, we're writers. Um, you know, we rely on those residuals. We Mm. rely on those agreements with the Alliance to ensure that, you know, we're, we've got rent money, Mm -hmm. you know, we've Mm -hmm. got a car payment, you know, because we're, you know, we all have kids and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And um, <clears throat> is it affecting the top percent earners? Not really. Mm. Not really. Um, is it affecting those big time writers, you know, showrunners? Not really. Mm. Um, who's it affecting? It's the writing staff. Mm. It's the PA, you know, the yeah. writer's room, mm. the PA in the writer's room, the staff writer, you know, the s- story editor. Just all those people who, you know, they rely on these things. Mm. You know, they rely on jumping from job to job, um, you know, to keep things going. So anytime there's a work stoppage, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Um, You know, I'm okay because I wear multiple hats. Not everybody wears multiple hats, Mm. Um, which is, I don't know if you remember, I used to tell you guys in class, you got to have a full toolbox. Just know one thing yep. really well. I remember that. You just but, unlocked memories. Yes, for me. but then know a couple of things. So if one thing starts to go down, you can pick up somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and you know, not everybody is that way. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. It's totally, totally okay. But um, yeah, the strike is is making it tough. Um, I don't know how much do you guys know about what are the main do you guys know the main core pieces that we're arguing about? It's the minimum basic agreement, I yes, think, the NBA, right? Yeah, it's so the, it's the basic agreement. It's yeah. also it's just the residuals long term, right? Um, mm. Because the main thing that we're looking at is, um, it's more so probably TV than yeah. anything. 
because before we had uh, network TV, cable TV, you got residuals every time a show would mm-hmm. air, especially if it went into syndication because you'd get, they'd get ad revenue from the commercials and then you would get mailbox money right. based on mm-hmm. that. When things moved over to streaming, um, I, I don't know how many times it's being watched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if Netflix knows how many times it's being watched. Right. You know, how many how many people are subscribing for your show? Mm. You see what I mean? Like it, the math becomes much harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as just clear cut as with network and cable TV. So, you know, I've seen friends of mine who um, have gotten some raw deals from the streamers uh, and it's a one-time payment. And I'm sitting there looking like, dude, that's like, that would be one year. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a network or cable. I mm-hmm. think I, when I was looking into it, I saw. I think it was, and this is for a lifetime. Yeah, mm. they like they the streamer. It. They own it. Yeah, I've heard. I've yeah. heard Crazy. bad deals. Yeah, I, I think I I read it. I might be wrong in the name, but I think Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like one of the writers for that got like a residual check of twenty seven dollars or something like that. That would and not it was, surprise me. It was like, dude, yeah. you can't you can't work off that. And I think it was like yeah. a ninety eight percent approval rating within the guild yeah. to go on strike, yeah. which is insane. Like almost unanimously agreed. Would you say that streaming it has caused this? Uh, the majority of this, right? Because yeah. I, I think streaming. You know, we were talking to uh, Tony Armour just earlier in another podcast, and it, he said streaming has changed everything, yes, right? It has. Yeah. And the the problem, it's an, which is a good thing, okay. right? Yeah. It, it's a good thing because what – see, and this is this – is, I've got to put a disclaimer out here, mm. okay? So I am a creative, I am a filmmaker, I'm a director, writer, producer, all those whatever, right? I do stuff creatively, mm-hmm. okay? But my first job was in corporate America. Mm. And so I was an executive, so I understand fully the reason why these studios are doing what they're doing. I get it. You're beholden to stakeholders. You're beholden to investors, shareholders, right? You have to ensure that your stock price is staying at a substantial dollar amount. Otherwise, you're going to get massive pushback. I get that. But... Man, you can't do this stuff at the expense of everybody that's out there working. Yeah. Busting their ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To get this stuff that you are selling done. And it was fine when it was the theaters, it was Blu-ray, it was DVD, it was VHS, it was all this stuff. And it was TV, it was network, cable, blah, 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 you know, uh, pay-per-view, yeah. right? Because uh, then you could clearly see where dollars and cents mm-hmm. were going, mm-hmm. you know, ad revenue. all. Yeah. Streaming is a different beast, man. Well, and the supply and demand has changed drastically, which I, I would argue has made an impact on it too. Like the demand for new content is super high right now. Yeah. And and to be honest, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it was a lot harder back in the day to become a writer oh, yeah. than it is now. And oh, so yeah. with the supply increasing, you know, to to compete with the demand. That drives the the price down when there are more people who right. are like, yeah, I'll write a cheap script. It's I mean, the race to the bottom. Let's think about this logically. Anybody can be a filmmaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody. You got an iPhone? Go make a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you have an iPhone, that means you probably have the YouTube app on your phone, which means that you can upload that movie you just shot to YouTube. There's your distribution platform. Mm-hmm. It's that What's simple. What's stopping you? Right. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, when I started, it was the it was the old the old way of doing things, right? So you go make a movie, cool. You scrounge up. You talk to the doctors, the lawyers, the dentists, the mm. family, the friends, you know, the shop owner, and you just try and gather up as much money as you can to go make a movie, right? And hope, man, hope to God you can pay for that roll of film, mm. you know, to get things shot. And then when you're done, you had to take it to a festival and then cross your fingers there again. Mm. Hopefully somebody will watch it. Somebody will see it. Um, and now it's like, Man, just like I said, you can pick up an iPhone. You can buy a couple of attachments for it. Yeah. And I mean, look at Tangerine. Did mm. you guys ever see Tangerine? Uh, the movie I Tangerine. Now. So, and I'm totally blanking, and forgive me, the filmmaker's name. He did Tangerine. He did uh, the Florida Project, which was awesome. Was this the guy that shot like one of the first features on the iPhone on the and iPhone. then got oh, okay. distributed, yeah, right? Tangerine yeah, yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, he had additive pieces to it. Sure. And he had a lot of support. Right. Sure. Right. But still, he yeah. used something that is everyday, a functional tool yeah. that people have every day. And mm. now they got, like, the cinematic mode on there right. or whatever. Right. And it's way better than the beta version. So you right. can actually give, like, depth of field to your images just right off an iPhone. Right. And shoot them in what they have uh, uh 4k raw now you do 4k too. yeah yeah and you can shoot pro res on them and it's yeah like, i don't know if you remember red had a had a phone there for a while do you guys i you do yeah. remember that yeah. i forgot they like yeah. quietly just like tuck that one away i'm a red dude and i nearly bought that phone dang <laughs> man yeah. yeah that's that's so cool i forgot that they yeah. did that we need yeah, to get it just one disappeared yeah yeah yeah, yeah but so uh fun. i mean honestly it's like there are places, so the streaming side has opened things up. Mm. It has made it a bit more democratic, mm. I think. What do you mean by that? Like anybody can go and make yeah. something. Mm -hmm. yeah, like yeah. it's no longer like siloed away for only yeah. the Tarantinos, the Scorseses, the Spielbergs, the whoever. Mm. There's right? accessibility for anybody to exactly. make movies nowadays. I mean, look at, um, look at the director of um, Shazam. Uh, he started out making these short little horror movies on, and he was release, releasing them on YouTube. And he did one called Lights Out, and one, I think it was Warner Brothers picked up Lights Out um, and made it into a feature. And then from that, he got Shazam. Mm. Wow! I mean, so that's th crazy. Tons on YouTube, of, yeah, always sunny yeah. in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Started off as a cam. They shot it on a camcorder, I think. Crazy. And they were putting stuff on YouTube or uh, or Funny or Die or uh, yeah, I don't mm -hmm. remember. It was on mm -hmm. one of those. But anyway, it started online, and now it's one of the longest-running TV shows that yeah. we've currently got going. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, even the FX3, the Sony FX3, it's yeah. like a $3,700 camera or whatever. Mm -hmm. The the creator, that new movie that's coming out, it's a it's a big movie, but they shot it on the FX3. Yeah. It's a $3,500 camera. Granted, yeah. they had $100,000 glass in front of it. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, it's, <laughs> you know. that's, a, that's a good point, too. Like, yeah. it no longer really matters. The camera. The body. Mm -hmm. No. Because it's all a computer. Mm -hmm. Everything's all and computer. everything is good now. Like yes. back in the day, it was like, oh, this one has this feature and this one, and like there's still stuff, but it's negligible in the right. grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, to you and I, you know, to the three of us, we'd probably be able to pick. Oh, Pixel hey, that's peep a, the difference. That's a black yeah. magic sensor. Mm -hmm. That's a red sensor. That's an Alexa sensor. Yeah. I get that. But if you put the same glass, like if you're going at, you're, I'm going to go get some super baltars and I'm going to put yeah. them on a. 
PL mount right. on a black magic, dude, the vast majority of people, man, that looks great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That looks totally. amazing. You oh, know, yeah. you're not even gonna know that you shot that on a black magic pocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even the difference between a black magic and an Ari Alexa, like I know a lot of people that A B those cameras together. Yeah. Seamless. Yeah. You can't yeah. tell which one's a eighteen hundred dollar camera and no. camera. Do you guys think, too, about distribution of, like, how people are consuming media, too, right? Because a lot of people are watching, because it's streaming. They're just watching it on their phone. So a lot of that stuff is almost not as important. To to them, it's not important. To filmmakers, yeah, yeah, sure, you have your tools that you want to use, but... They're watching on these tiny screens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're an iPhone s- to a you know Alexa Mini, it's gonna You're not seeing the you're not seeing like, okay, so uh, we were going into the feature film mm-hmm. and I wanted to have a very kind of classic Roger mm-hmm. Deacons type of look for it. Because it's a western, so you want it to be a little dirty. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna use some old vintage glass that we've got a little bit of that yeah. fungus, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of that Character. dirtiness. Yeah. Yes. So you wanted that. Within it, and I was working with Alex Simon, our DP, and we were just kind of going back and forth on, man, you know, what do we want to use for this? We ended up going, um, oh my gosh, what do we end up using? Um, oh, he's gonna hate me for this. He's gonna hear. He's gonna hear this. <laughs> I'm totally. Oh, we used the uh, Canon FDs, the vintage oh Canon my FDs. Oh gosh! I was gonna say the Zeiss Super Speeds, but we used that for the previous project. But yeah, we went with these Canon FDs. Oh, yeah. And they're from the nineteen late nineteen sixties, yep. mm. rehoused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looked amazing. Gave us this nice, like dirty look. Hmm. Yeah. Now I can look at it and say, "Man, that shot on a digital camera and not shot on film stock." Right. Mm. But I show it to my mom. My mom's, "Well, that looks amazing." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife talk all the time about like, "Hey, did you see how they shot that? Like, what'd you think about that?" She's like, "What are you talking about?" Exactly. They're not looking. The like ninety nine percent of movie consumers are not looking at the movie the way that we're looking at the movie. No. And no. they're not. They don't care about the sensor, the camera, the color science, the even the lens choice. They don't care about any of that. They don't care about half of them. Just go. Oh, that. That looked cinematic, and they don't even know why a movie looks good. They just, it's either good or it's not. And back to your point, I think that's the part that we have to figure out. Mm -hmm. Like, where is the audience? Mm -hmm. Like, where where are they watching? You know? Um, And I I honestly, I have two kids. Um, I have two daughters. One is a senior in high school. One is a freshman in college. Uh, Actually, she's a sophomore in college now. they're watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're on their and, tablets and they're Instagram on their and TikTok. Yep. I, I was listening to a video recently. They were talking about just how the music video industry is changing <clears throat> because people right now aren't even watching full blown music videos no, anymore. They're watching clips. They're watching clips yeah. of them on social media. Yeah. And so a lot of people in the music video industry are moving to just shooting 30 second little snippets that tease their song that give people mm-hmm. an opportunity to watch something yeah. because the audience is now on social. Yeah. They're not watching even full music videos. Well, and it yeah. makes it more shareable, right? Because right. then that it can go viral. It's yeah. you know, people tag duet whatever on TikTok. Yeah. And, and you don't have to watch for two and a half exactly. minutes. Three, because minutes. you ask people like I love music videos. When was the last time you watched a whole one from yeah. start to finish. Yeah. And I love them. I love making them and I haven't even been watching them. <sighs> I miss yeah. MTV and watching Dude, music MTV videos yeah. on MTV. Yes. Yeah. Put it on the background yeah. all day long. I don't know if you guys I so 
I don't look it, but I love metal. Mm. Let's go. I, I love I love metal. I was a metalhead <laughs> growing up. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking Andy, about. So what's, yeah. what's the what's the band that you did? Uh, Which one? The, what, one that he would be impressed by. Machine Head, Linkin Park. Oh man, Machine Head. Circle. Yep. Um, the Perfect Circle. I saw them on their very first tour, uh, and was absolutely blown away. Yeah, I saw them at the Fort Worth. Convention Center, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did all their albums, which is crazy. Dude, yeah, bro, we gotta talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, dude. So so, I'm a massive Tool fan. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Tool is like, and Tool is different. And I'm sorry to get off. No, no, no. (laughs) This is like when you get guys who like Tool. Like, dude, I cannot listen to Tool. In singular songs. No, it has to be a whole album. Exactly. It has to be a whole album. If I listen to Tool, I've got to listen to it from the start of the album to the end of the album. When, when it's the a journey. Came out, it is. I, I was in Cancun with my wife, and we stopped everything that evening. Fear was, not, I was like, you, Yes. I was Bro. Like, I mean, right Do we just become best friends? Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to sit over here. I put, my, I put my headphones on. I listen to the entire thing. Yes. Start to finish. Start to finish. Yep. So oh, man. Dude. Yes. Metal podcast yes. coming soon. Yeah. Andy and Jonathan. Andy and Jonathan. Oh, yes. Oh, so man, fun. dude. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, those videos were awesome. So mm. sick. Like, I remember, you know, Headbangers Ball would come on and mm. you'd sit there and watch, like, Megadeth. Right? Mm. I loved Megadeth. I loved Slayer. Like, I grew up in yeah, the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pulling, like, old thrashers, like yes. Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, Metallica, just all these great Love bands it. from the 80s. And, then graduated into the night. I had my grunge period. Yes. Mm. I had my grunge period, like most everybody. But yeah, you don't see those. You, you don't. don't. And that's sad because you got a lot of filmmakers got their start. There. Yes. Yes. What I will say, though, to play devil's advocate is because the music video industry has changed so much, there's so many more indie film, like indie music videos that do come out still. Yeah. And I will say this, that um, as much as they don't look like they used to, I will give indie filmmakers credit because they push the envelope in new creative ways that the bigger studios didn't used to do. Right. And like everything used to be these polished, uh, maybe not in the metal world. I don't don't know the metal music videos like like that. Dude, just doing this. Right. right. (laughs) Different. But like if you look at like the mainstream music video market back in the day, a lot of it was like these super polished in studio, crazily well. David Fincher got his start. Totally. And and now like the there's so much creativity in the storytelling and Mm -hmm. how they're how they have to catch your attention if they want to make a successful project, which anyway. Yeah, I, I, I I still I mean, if that goes away, that's just Man, that's just one more, just like kind of artifact. I don't want to say nail in the coffin, but it's just one more thing that we just don't have like access to explore, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because with Mm -hmm. music videos, that was a you know I've never been a big music video guy. I've helped shoot music videos, but I just I know friends of mine who shoot music videos, and that was just always their greatest creative outlet because they go work on these commercials where it's very rigid and structured and then they'd go shoot this you know music video where they get to work with the band Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay this is your song let me read the lyrics okay cool i have an idea yeah and they're just bouncing ideas back and forth and then they just get creative yeah when when we get a project in at cinema story and and it's a music video joey's probably the most we're we're the most excited we're like yeah and, and it's and usually they're low budget, right? Yeah. Like I mean, we're yeah. on big corporate commercials. You know, it's it's great, 
But we get so pumped on yeah. these tiny little budget Fine, music man. videos. Yeah. And I'll ask Joey, I'm like, you sure you want to do this? Like, we we don't have a lot of, you know, there's no budget for crew. We're going back to old school filmmaking. And he's like, absolutely. Like, this is, because it's a creative expression, like you're saying. It's right. that collaboration. Yeah, I hate to see it go away. We enjoy doing it. And we do have so much more creative uh, control of the story, I feel like, or yeah. input mm-hmm. collaboration yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you don't always get in the corporate oh, world. No, yeah. no, no, because you're beholden to... A marketing director, brand or standards like or that agency, yeah, yeah. right, yeah, because yep. yep. they have a particular vision, they have a right. particular brand that they're trying to get out there, right. Yeah. So you're kind of it's there's a you know a little bit of creativity, but you're kind of stuck in a yeah. box. Mm. For the most Not part. only that, but as a DP, you get to do things in music videos that you don't get to do in any other yeah. arena. Yeah. Like with crazy light designs, the world that you create for the audience to fish experience. Eye right. Fish eye lenses <laughs> are accepted again. On a skateboard. Yes. Rolling through the yes. Yeah. There's no stage. like limits and boundaries. It's just, yeah, it's just the most like creative way to express yourself as right. a filmmaker with lighting design, with storytelling, with camera decisions. Yeah. And, just, you, and you don't have to worry about the dialogue. No, mm. there is none. Unless, you know, they're singing, they're a singing to or a track yeah, yeah, yeah. or right. something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, go back to your point. You were talking about budget. I mm-hmm. think that's that is going back to kind of WGA mm-hmm. and SAG too mm-hmm. now, right? Because SAG is now on strike. Um, all this stuff has to do with AI. That's a big one. Mm. Let's check that box. Cause mm. I mean, uh behind the scenes, like Josh and I have had conversations with people from the studios. I will not mention who. <laughs> Um, but we have had conversations with folks from the studios who have essentially told us that they'll be just fine using artificial intelligence to write the script. Chat GPT for and then movies in it, 2025. Yeah, and then hand it over to a writer to touch it up. Mm. And as writers, we're both like, wait, what? Yeah. Mm. Hold on, what? Mm. You want me to touch up a script that's from an artificial intelligence? Mm. Like, I'm... This is how it all ends. This is how they the robots take over. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there's listen, and I'm I'm not one of the doom and gloom right. folks. Like I like we use, for example, we use artificial intelligence in uh, our visual effects workflow. Mm. Um, and it is a godsend. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it it's helps a tool us, though. It, it is a tool. It, it helps us with tracking, rotoing, uh, simple composites. Uh, for example, uh, we pulled a Game of Thrones on the last movie. And mm, had a water bottle nice, in the nice. background, but we caught it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was one of those where we were able to go use a combination of After Effects and Photoshop and paint it out. Artificial intelligence painted it out 10 minutes later. Oh, it's awesome. <clears throat> Generative fill frame, is yep. crazy right now. Look at the download the beta version of Photoshop yep. and use the remove tool. Yeah, you just click a person. It's amazing. And they're just gone. Yes. And it's like unbelievable it's how amazing. good it is. Like yeah. you cannot tell. Yes. Mm. No, it's it's crazy. So there's areas where it can be really good, but there's also areas where, oh, damn. Okay, th- this is getting a little scary. Mm. Because, it, you know, for writers, uh, our biggest hang up is that, that you're going to give our job to an artificial intelligence and then force us to go back in and touch it up. Yeah. Mm. Right. But then the question becomes where is it getting the idea from? Right. 
Like where it's is pulling it? it in the style of right. said writer. <clears throat> right. And so, you know, the studios have said that we can we can ha- make it to where it only pulls from our library of content. Okay. All right, but that's bro, that's still somebody else's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's still somebody else. Somebody it's pulling pieces from somebody else's stuff. Yeah. You know mm. what I mean? And like, and, and just in my good conscience, I can't, because I know the legal side of it, mm-hmm. like using derivative works, right? Mm. I mean, just like parodies, reenactments, like all of these things that use in documentary and in feature films. And man, I just can't, I, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be totally used as a tool, but not as a crutch for a studio to use it to just because here's what is also going to happen too, and this is an interesting conversation point that you guys should think about: is that okay? Cool. Well, let's say that studios can do whatever they want at the end of the day. Honestly, um, if they start using AI to generate all these scripts, man, that's going to come become pretty bland pretty quick, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's an AI program. That's, that's pulling off of stuff that already exists. Yes. Everything have, it learns from, it's learned from pulling off the web. Yes. And I have I have gone through chat GTP and we've Josh and I have tested it out. Well, let's see what this thing does. Mm. And it's interesting. We jumped different stories, gave it similar questions, and got similar feedback, even though the stories were completely different. Wow. Yeah. And so in my mind, just kind of doing it as an academic, as a research, you know, academic, I was looking at like, man, okay, that's mm. five different stories. Yeah. And like two of them are similar. Well, yeah. and the the key that I to my understanding is how specific you get in the prompt. Yeah. Uh whenever you're writing something. Because yes. if you're like, write a story um about uh you know, a love story this for character, a family. This theme, whatever this plot, yeah. But if you're like in the style of uh Wes Anderson, uh in the nineteen eighties with the you know, all these details it'll spit you out something a little bit different, but you have to write the prompt well. But that's what you're saying, though. Yes. You ran a test. He ran a test, and he did five different prompts, and he got two stories that were Ah, similar. That were similar. So, and that's, you know... And that's changing changing the parameters of what the stories are. Crazy. But it was interesting. So we went through, and we were like, well, give us us a list of character names for these characters. Mm. And we did it over here, and we did it over here. And there were one was a uh, horror fantasy, and the other one was a uh, it was like a, a drama. Yeah, it was a I think it was a drama. I can't remember. But um, when we started looking at the names that it spit out for the characters, we were like, wait a minute, these first names are a number of these are the same, mm. right? And so, and then some of the plot points and the structure points, because you can tell it yeah. it'll spit out a full structure for you, mm-hmm. right? Which Again, as a tool, if you're a writer, yeah. if you're trying to Overcome bounce an idea, block yes, or something, you know, and yeah. you're trying to figure out a story, man, that could be a great tool to get mm-hmm. you beyond writer's block. Right. Mm-hmm. That could be an awesome totally. tool, you know, to really help you. And and I use so I've used ChatGPT <clears throat> in a commercial uh, writing standpoint yeah. for that uh scenario where I'm like, I need, I need to I have the idea, I know I want this character, I have this. 
I need to bounce off some ideas. And I read, I ran the prompt several times and yeah. changed the prompt, you know, parameters. Right. And it was interesting because I did. There were times where I felt like I got the same story, just yeah. slightly changed. Yeah. You know, and I knew that. Well, maybe I just need to adjust my prompts more. But it, I, I agree, it's a great tool to be able to utilize. But I don't see it a, as an in value product. No. And. I just got to throw this out here, and how you, I don't know how y'all feel about it, but somebody, I saw this on, you know, social TikTok or something recently, but they're like, yeah, ChatGPT and AI is basically just the biggest plagiarism machine yeah. that exists right yeah, now. Yeah, because you, you have no idea, like there's, it's fully pulling mm -hmm. from the web. Mm -hmm, so yeah. we have no idea where it's actually, yeah. my assumption is that it's pulling from anything and everything that is available. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a huge lawsuit going on with OpenAI right now for actually infringing on privacy like agreements to learn everything that it did learn. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting to see what the outcome of that. Yeah, uh, just if anybody uses it, don't put personal information on it. Right. Mm -hmm. right, right, right. Yeah. Learn, I mean, there's yeah. a disclaimer there. Yeah. Don't put your personal. Totally. Like, keep it. Wait. So when I gave him my bank account number, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was not a good idea. Because I had some students that were putting, they were playing around with it, and they were putting like personal information mm. in it. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. read that. There's a reason why they give you those prompts yeah. to look at. Yeah. yeah. But the other big one is AI on the VFX side, mm. um, and so that's where the actors get involved, and that's the idea of the mm. actors getting scanned and now the VFX companies can use their scan yeah. use artificial intelligence to put them into the movie yep. as background extras uh, i can do that now yeah. with yeah. the ai and software that we use but bro that becomes a slippery slope oh yeah, oh, yeah. well and we were even talking about before this pod what they were doing with indiana jones the new film where they just the dh where they yeah they just take his face and now they've made him look young just yeah. like you know what i mean like not quite there yet not quite but yeah the stuff that they're doing with vfx where it's just like oh let's take this face and we can do whatever we want with it right it's, it's that's getting, it is and then you have to remember too that and that's where um the tv show snowpiercer they just mm. uh released there were some uh tweets or messages on Instagram. I can't remember yeah. what it was. I'm not on social media. <laughs> um, but I had somebody was telling me this, and I, I read it, and the actors were asked to come in for some CGI work, um, mm. and they were scanned. And so, oh, this is just for pickup CGI work, which it may have been, but now the company has their image. Mm. And they not only scanned the main cast, but they scanned the extras they can do whatever they want with they can them. do whatever they want with it mm. wow it's it's very interesting the game is changing I, yeah i know we're like an hour deep into this pod but i want to I, I gotta chase this rabbit oh, so yeah, this no, no. is a little little crazy thing that I've, I've told joey this several times but think about this and you know maybe less than one to two years will we be able to trust anything that we see oh. on a video screen because here's the thing like you said getting these scans you know I think so. My wife and I, we watch a lot of murder documentary, mm -hmm. like you know, series. Yeah, and it's like a lot of these people are seen on see, uh, closed cap uh, TV, security camera TV, right? Right. They're walking and they're exiting or they're carrying a body. We should. I can be able to make that in a year or two and show that you murdered 
XYZ person frame you? Like, what can be trusted? You yeah. know, how can the data, how can, you know, is there a way to put signatures in this data? Because it's not analog anymore, right? No. Yeah. And so my my hot hack here, and if anybody wants to go in business with me, you can comment on this still, but for you guys, <laughs> okay, going back to analog security cameras, that's yeah. the only way to do it. Yeah. Because... There's going to be, you're not going to be able to believe security cameras. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bringing back mini DV tapes. Dog. Come on, not guys. Gonna happen. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, let's check this podcast in two years. There we go. Yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. see how well it ages. No, I, but that's a scary thought. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. You can now, there's AI to adjust somebody's voice, make yep. them say something that they didn't actually well, say. And you can move their lips too. Yeah. So, like, you can, they're, what they're doing now is they're actually changing the language that the film, uh, comes out in and their lips move to, to match, ma- that. match That's how that language. The it's crazy. For a yeah. lot of these movies, yep. yeah. For international oh, films. You, dude, you can do it on the captions app. I don't know if y'all have played around with that, no. but so no. the captions app that people use for social, now they have AI beta in there that you can uh change your voice into any language you want. Wow. It's insane. On your phone. Yeah, on your, on your phone. phone. Crazy, dude. So, I mean, it's, it's, the, it, it's yeah, endless opportunities. Though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the, it's all of this is in, you can't get the genie back in the bottle. Mm. Like it's out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know, Pandora's box has yep. been opened. Yeah. You know. We're not going back. <clears throat> no. Yeah, so I think at this point it's just okay, how can we use it as a tool and not replace everybody that we're yeah. working with. And so that's where the strike comes into place. It's that, it's money, right? Yeah. It's better better residuals, better opportunities for both writers and actors. Um, it, it's a very strange time. Uh, although, I will say this, I think this is a great time for independent filmmakers. I think this is a great time. I look at this, the last time that SAG and the WGA went on strike at the same time, was in the 60s. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> okay? Yeah. That was the last time they went on strike. And I was researching this for a paper I was doing. Um, and coming out of that, you got the auteurs of the 70s. Mm. The Brian De Palmas, right? The Jonathan Demme's, the Martin Scorsese's, the mm. Steven Spielberg's. Yep. You got all of these great auteurs who were like, they were independents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody forgets Star Wars was an independent mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. right? Star Wars, the first one, the original OG was an independent film, mm-hmm. right? If it weren't for what was happening in the 60s, you had these big budget disaster movies like the Poseidon Adventure and, you know, the Towering Inferno and mm-hmm. all these like, mm-hmm. you know, movies from the 60s and they just weren't making money. Mm-hmm. So they had to go back to the drawing board. They had a strike and coming out of all of that chaos was the rise of the independent filmmaker in the 70s. Wow. Then from you the saw ashes. it again in the 80s Dude, yeah. and the 90s again. Tarantino, mm. Rodriguez. James Cameron. Yeah, I mean, James Cameron is James freaking Cameron. James freaking Cameron, <laughs> man. And he's still, still doing breaking it. ground. Roger Corman, man. Yeah. Roger mm, Corman t- was yep. lifting up all these filmmakers in the 70s. You got the Roger Corman's film school that produced Ron Howard, James Cameron. Mm-hmm. You know, Samuel Jackson was in that whole group. Like, it's crazy. <sighs> yeah. Well, now, now you got me all jazzed up for the I'm future telling you, of filmmaking, I think, man. I think if... If everybody plays their cards right, because the opportunities for distribution aren't as there's not a massive barrier there anymore, mm-hmm. not like it used to be. Yeah, if we play our cards right and we push the envelope as much as we can, 
then the independent filmmaker is going to take over this thing. Mm. Now the question will come, okay, where is where is the industry going to come and take hold again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we because you, you, all, all this stuff happens in cycles. Yeah. Mm. Well, and we're in new territory too, even just with like streaming and how we battle that yeah. as well. Just like musicians are when streaming came out and, you mm. know, the, the industry changed for them. We're right. kind of all paving the new rules and determining what's fair, just like the strike right. with – you know how the finances are are structured now right. with streaming. It's all new territory. So yeah, man, you got me excited awesome. uh, just about the future of filmmaking. I know we got to get you out of here. So no, be- you're good. Before we get you out of here, though, yes, we got five questions that we like to okay. ask every guest that comes on our show, man. Let's do it. So if if you could do it all over again, yeah, what is one thing you'd do differently as a filmmaker? Ooh, uh, I don't know that I'd change anything. I don't. I don't know because I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a camera as a kid. I didn't have a camera until I got into high school. So I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker at a very early age. Mm. It was about 80, 1987. Uh, I watched Empire Strikes Back, mm. and I was like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this so awesome. I don't know how they did this, <laughs> but this is awesome. Mm. And um, I could. I didn't have a camera. I was a single parent home, a uh, single mom. And we couldn't afford it. So what I could do was draw. Mm. And I loved comics. And I started putting two and two together. Wait a minute. These comic panels look like storyboards. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't know what a storyboard was, but these comic panels looked like the frames of these movies. Mm. Well, I could do that. And so that was my launch pad. And then, of course, you know, the action yeah. sports stuff, the skateboarding. Uh, I don't know that I'd change a thing because I think all of the stuff that I've done has allowed me to fill up my toolbox yeah, and has gotten me to this point to where now I'm doing this feature and we're running out of money. And uh, <laughs> Okay, who's doing VFX? Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. know? you know, and I've got a team of people who are working with, but, you know, I'm leading the charge on that. Um, so I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the path that I had. That's I awesome. That, man. So, yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't good. change a thing. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. I love that answer. What excites you about the current film industry or market right now? It's what we were just talking about. Uh, I think the um, the democratization mm. of of the industry. Uh, I think we're getting closer and closer to it. I think we're getting to a point where, you know, YouTube exists, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it only takes a couple of viral videos for you to hit it out of the park mm. and, um, you know, and make it a legitimate business, you know. Um, there's no roadblocks like there were when I was coming up, you know, mm-hmm. and to you as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you were, you were mm-hmm. mid 2000s, late 2000s, mm-hmm. the same thing, man. Oh yeah. You know, we hadn't hit that peak yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, I, I think it's good. Uh, it's like I said, I really believe in the, uh, independent scene. And I think that independent filmmakers can really make stuff happen now. So, yeah, I think that's, we're in a good spot. Well, you're pumping me up, man, yeah. especially, yeah, looking back through history and, and talking about the 60s and rising from the ashes. I'm ready yeah. to go make some movies. Yeah. Wait, Joey, what are we doing? Everybody <laughs> should be making short films yes. all the time. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Why do you say that? Because this is the only way you're going to learn. Yeah. I mean, you, that's the only way you're going to figure out your style. That's the only way you're going to fail and not have to worry about, well, oh, man, I don't have to worry about this million-dollar budget because mm-hmm. I don't have that. Mm-hmm. Right. We're shooting a five-minute piece where I can go test an idea. 
And then if it works, great. If it doesn't, You're okay. Out of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I listened to this filmmaking podcast, and I can't remember which one it is. We'll give it a plug if we if I remember. But it was this girl from Europe. Uh, it was a DP uh, filmmaking podcast, and she said that she she her goal was to work on a f uh, a short film like every week or every month, mm -hmm. and she had like over ninety plus short films that she had been a part of. Yeah, and she said because it's just practice. Like if this is yeah. what you really want to do, why aren't you? putting in the hours, kind of like going yeah. back to the skateboard analogy, you put yeah. in your thousand hours. And so she just yeah. constantly, and she was working on features too, but then she she was like, oh yeah, I'll just go work on a short film for free because yeah. it's what I love to do. And yeah. I learn, I get to try out a new lens, you know, try out a new technique. Um, so man, I think that is great advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, where are we as an industry headed in filmmaking and what should we be focusing on right now? Uh, and it's the indies. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's... <clears throat> I think what I think Jason Bloom said it best. I was working in LA in 2019, and um, he came out and did this talk. I don't remember where he was at. He he later did an interview with um, somebody. It was after I think Us came out. Um, great movie. Um, and he was talking about. I think it was Us. I can't remember. He does all these really great low budget movies, but he was warning in 2019, maybe even earlier than that. But I remember in 2019 being in LA, going, "Whoa." That makes a lot of sense. Like he was saying, this is not sustainable. Mm. The budgets that we have are not sustainable. With is what we're getting from the theat from the theatrical release, and what is happening. I mean, the analog Blu-ray DVD thing is it's slowly dwindling. I away. watched that video where he was talking about all that. Yeah, and then it's the streamers. The money is not coming in the way it used to. Right. And so the way it did from DVDs back exactly, in the day. Yep. Exactly. So there's this disparity with how much money we're bringing in versus how much we're paying on average for these movies. Mm -hmm. And we've got to bring that back down. Yeah. And that's, he was saying, I, to my memory, that's the reason why they can't make movies the way that they used to Correct. anymore is because of the death of the DVD. Exactly. Like so much revenue. The home that video movies, market was huge. It used to bring in, like if a film didn't do amazing in the theaters, they it were like- It became a cult classic because it sold a million copies right, on VHS. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and people had so much extra revenue coming yeah. in on the back end of their film once the theater release was done, and now that's gone away due to look streaming. At, look at Willow, right? They just did a TV show of Willow on Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. That would have never happened because the theatrical release of Willow wasn't that great. Yeah. But it wasn't until it went on VHS that it got a massive bump, Yeah, and it sold a ton. Yeah. And then it became this endearing classic, and everybody, yeah. I loved it. I still love it. So, I mean, you're missing out on a lot of that yeah. because that particular revenue stream is no longer there. Mm -hmm. what, what, what was the... Um, but back to your question, though, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Back to your question. Uh, I think the industry is going to go in such a way that you'll start to see the studios reduce the cost of their budgets. They'll pull their budgets down, except for those big tent poles. I think the Marvels, the stuff like that, they'll still get their budgets. Mm. Um, but I think you'll see stuff like Oppenheimer, which had a fairly decent budget. I don't know, man, I don't know if he's getting that budget mm. next time. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I just don't, I don't know. He might. He might be He's one of the Christopher few. Nolan. He so. might be one of the few that gets yeah. <laughs> it. But again, it's like at, from a corporate company, you're you're looking at mm. what's the ROI? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like, what's the return on my investment on this movie? Yeah. If I'm spending $100 million, this thing better make four. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think... It's gonna. We're gonna start seeing mid budgets again, which we haven't seen mid budgets right. in forever. Mm. Uh, it's always been high budgets and low budgets. Yep. The mid budget has been gone. Mm-hmm. I think we'll start seeing that mid budget and that low budget start to rise back up. It's awesome, man. Yep. Well, everything that you're saying is exciting me. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I could be totally full of crap. Yeah, and none of this happens. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you're wrong though. I really don't. Yeah. Like, it, it's it just all an educated up. guess. That's yeah. all. I mean, all yeah. we can do is pr- like look into the future and see what makes sense. But yeah. Um, you know who knows, but yeah. I think I think you're onto something. Yeah. Um, what is one piece of advice that you can give to filmmakers trying to grow in their craft or their business right now? Make a short film at least every quarter. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Or <clears throat> if you can't do that because you're too busy, make at least two short films in a year. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, it's totally just doable. Film. Mm-hmm. Just I don't care if you're shooting birds. Like if you're not shooting, tell birds, a story. <laughs> filming birds. Yeah, that's what I should. Say. I mean, taking it outside. You know, filming a tree yeah. waving mm-hmm. in the wind. You know, just something. Yeah. Get a camera and go shoot something. You know, understand what it means to shoot during the day and sunlight. You know, under tree in the shade at night. Just like put yourself in these situations to film, and then find out where those edges are. Yeah. Right. Um, if you do that, I mean, that's how I did it. I was creative. Be creative. You know, I did expanded cinema in the beginning when I started. Nobody knows what the hell that is. Mm. Not even I know it. What that I is, don't know what right? it is. <laughs> it's essentially, it's just art cinema. Right? It's inter- immersive, interactive cinema. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. It was creative. So that's what I would say. Just, just be out there as much as you can filming. Uh, business-wise, um, you, you got to start very early on, taking it very serious. Mm. I mean, understand that you as an individual are a business. What you do is a business, right? So treat it as such Mm, and don't lose yourself to it. That's the challenge. That's that's me. Mm, Take it from me. I was on an airplane three to four times a week and I missed the first decade of my daughter's lives Mm -hmm. because I was gone. All the time. I saw him basically on the weekend. Don't do that. Mm. Like, find find your boundaries. Find mm-hmm. your edges. Like, enjoy it. Lose yourself in the craft, but don't lose yourself completely to it. Mm. Like, put up those boundaries. That's so good, good yeah. man. Yeah, so I know that I am in a place where I'm running full steam towards trying to do what I can, as we, most all of us artists, yep. did to make those dreams of, of making those projects happen. And everyone that I've talked to that's made it is like, you've got to get in check early on what is most yeah. important yep. in life because it's not making that film. So I always think of this like a pyramid. This is the tunnel that you're in when you're, when you're working. Mm. Every once in a while, you got to do this. You got to look to the left and the right. Okay, there's my kids. All right, let me get out of the tunnel. Yeah. Let me mm-hmm. go and let me go do something with my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't lose sight of that stuff. Don't lose sight of you and, you know, and what, yeah. who you are and your relationship with other people. Very well said. Yeah. Seriously. Preaching. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah. great. It's needed to be. Uh, I, I know I'm in a spot in my career. I just had a, a daughter. She's 13, 14 months old, about to have yeah. another one. So I'm living all of that as well because I run 
you know, 10, 12 hour days yeah. every day, trying to keep the wheels from falling off, yeah. making sure, you know, wearing multiple hats in our production yeah. company. And then you just go, but I, I can't miss these these moments either, don't, you know? So it's so important to, to hear those. that from somebody that's gone before yeah. and, and done that. So, and I have been pulling back, you know, I there's opportunities of, oh, be on this short film or this feature. And I go, I yeah. can't be away for 21 days. You Ultimately, know? at the end of the day, your kids are far more worth, your family and your friends are far more worth than anything that you're ever going to produce. Mm. Right? So true. Like anything that yeah. I've ever produced in my entire life has been great, very lucky, very blessed to have worked with all the great people that I have, but none of that is worth as much as my kids or yeah. my wife. Mm-hmm. So good, man. It's good reality it's a good check on this podcast. Because yeah. right listen, man, all this stuff is going to end one day, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be making movies mm-hmm. one day. Right. right, right. I don't think I'm going to be like Clint Eastwood doing yeah. this. Until <laughs> I'm not. I don't know if so, Clint thought Clint was going to be like Clint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who's going to be there for you when all yeah. that stuff ends? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good, man. Yeah, it's a good sobering reality check. So we should do this again. We should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over a beer. Yeah, 100%. I feel like we could at least do cover another hour or two. I mean, we oh, didn't even geez. get to all the yeah, questions. I'm sorry, I'm no, you're no, good. No, no, it's good. So much good knowledge. This. Yeah. We got one last final question. Yes. One one final one, man. Who is one filmmaker you really admire and why? Oh man, that's a tough one. Just one that like, made an impact that you're like, man, this dude <clears throat> or this gal. I mean, awesome. if I'm picking one, it's Steven. Steven. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. Um you know, I had four movies that were given to me when I was about, I don't know, seven or eight years old. Um, and I was staying at my grandparents, and it's boring at my grandparents, but they had a v- VHS tape mm, player. Mm-hmm. And so my mom's friend at work said, Okay, here's, I know Jonathan's at, uh, you know, his grandparents. Here's four movies. My boys aren't watching them anymore. They've gone to college. Give it to him and let him watch them over the summer. Yeah. Bro. It was like a treasure trove. <laughs> uh, those four movies, and I talk about this to, to my students. It was Close Encounters, mm. E.T., mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, wow. Unreal. Those were the four movies that this lady that was a friend of my mom Love gave it. to her for me to watch. Classic. And that is Pure not gold. a lie. Classic. Pure gold. And I still have those movies. Mm. Dang. Yeah, I... Um, so, Steven, because three of those films yeah. were mm-hmm. were his, and I just love his visual style. He did The Shining, right? No, no, no. That was Stanley Kubrick. Stanley, Stanley. Yeah, that was Stanley Kubrick. I, I always get those mixed yeah. up, yeah. I just yeah. went to, to uh, totally off topic, but I just went to the hotel that uh, that was written Overlook. about yeah. in uh, Estes Park or, yeah, or whatever. Estes Park, yeah. Yeah, I just went there, and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, not Spielberg. Yeah, Stanley. Stanley, Stanley, Stanley Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah. Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all the items on their breakfast cafe were like quotes from the movie. Yeah, well, that, that's really, awesome. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> totally sidebar, but dude, <laughs> Jonathan, thank that's you awesome. so much for coming out yeah, to the guys. pod today, man. This has been fun. Appreciate it. Just getting a riff back and forth, talking about stuff going on in the industry right now. We appreciate your wisdom, your time, your experience, man. Thank you for coming out here. Yeah. Thank you, guys. If people are looking to get in touch with you, man, how can they get connected? Um, it's, I'll, I'll give you, uh, an email, uh, our company email It's probably the easiest one. I mean, you can try and hit me up on social yeah. <laughs> at pro Xavier. Um, and I'll give that to you guys. Sure. But, 
Uh, I'm rarely, if ever, on social media. <laughs> yeah, I exist there, but I'm I'm not the one that actually yeah, yeah. runs it. But uh, info at DaedalusPictures.com. That's our general mailbox. Beautiful. Uh, it will get to me. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much for just coming out once again. Um, this has been a really solid episode. So yeah. uh, thank you again for your time. Uh, be sure to follow the Rough Cut Club on all platforms if you have not done so already. We really appreciate all you guys who are actually hitting us up, saying that this podcast has done something for you in your career. So we hope to keep that going uh, with more guests like Jonathan. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Proud of you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Good job. Cheers. Cheers.